Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders Yankees podcast for Tuesday, October 19th. The Yankees made some big news today. They made an expected decision. They brought back Aaron Boone on a three-year contract plus a one-year option. Brian Cashman is still on the, well, he's entering the final year of his contract. So it puts all the pressure on him now as the Yankees move forward to help break down the decision to bring back Aaron Boone, talk about what Cashman has to do moving forward and how the Yankees look heading into 2022. I bring in the beat writer from the athletic covering the New York Yankees for the last couple of years, Lindsay Adler. Linz, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Sweeney? I'm good, Linz. So, um, why do the Yankees want Aaron Boone back? And why does he want to be back with them? I think those are central questions that we got some answers to today. Basically, it comes down to, I think, the Yankees really like Aaron Boone. They're not blaming him for many of the things that went wrong. And I think they actually said at one point, if they were out looking for a manager, they would be looking for someone who had things similar to what Aaron Boone had to offer. Yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, it sounds sort of... Uh, like we're talking about real housewives and not the New York Yankees. Um, <laughs> nice to see these two scrappy sides come back together. But um, I, I mean, I think that's the thing. They, they would be looking for an Aaron Boone type on the market anyway. I mean, the Yankees have a pretty clear direction with where they want to go and Aaron Boone fits it. And I think, you know, I think Aaron has a lot of the qualities that any club is looking for in a manager. I mean, Cashman said today that he thinks that if Aaron Boone hit the open market, you know, with a few managerial openings, he'd be, you know, he'd be top of the list for, for other clubs. And, and I think that's pretty true. And I think what it comes down to is like, I think the Yankees could go out, look for someone else who's like the manager they have now, bring them in, onboard them and all of, you know, and everything that goes along with that, have them earn the clubhouse trust and whatnot, or they could have Aaron Boone come back. He's already familiar. And then they can look for sort of the optimized version of Aaron Boone and the optimized version of the New York Yankees to help them out. And I think, you know, Aaron seems committed to this. Um, he said he had been, you know, in his mind, just looking to see, to, to make sure that Hal, Hal Steinbrenner and Cash really wanted him back. And um, I think this, I think this was always, Kind of the likely, it was obviously the likeliest outcome. Um, I think what's interesting to me is that now that it's done, it seems so obvious, but there was 
still a little bit of, you know, curiosity about it. I think one of the things I kind of latched on to during the day today was this idea that the Yankees only went looking for another manager only four years ago. And I think they kind of had a pretty good idea of the types of people that are out there and the things that, you know, that they were searching for. When they last looked for a manager, it had been 10 years since they had hired a manager. Uh, So the landscape had changed, the kinds of people who were out there to hire, the type of manager that was needed in today's environment, all those things had changed over a long period of time. And I think Yankees felt they had to address that. And I think only having done this process four years ago, I think they felt pretty comfortable with the guy that they had. Yeah, I I think so too. And I think, you know, when you look at the current postseason landscape, you know, we have Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, um, Alex Cora. I mean, I would I would put both of those guys in sort of the same, I guess, genre of managers that the Yankees are looking for in Aaron Boone, obviously. I mean, if if Aaron needs someone to talk to about the adversity of getting slammed over and over for postseason moves, I mean, Dave Roberts is his guy. Um <laughs> I think this was the plan and what I think is personally really interesting and what I'm interested to see is like Aaron Boone has had the type of year that like changes a person um, personally, professionally, you know, he started the season with having heart surgery. It was, I mean, even Cashman today described the 2021 season as, you know, the toughest year for him personally. Um, Aaron was, Aaron was wearing it and he looked, I mean, Bless his heart. He looked pretty worn down by the end of it. I mean, I think we all did. <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not even on the top step. And so I don't really know exactly what to expect from him next year because it was a very difficult year for everyone and especially him. And he comes into it with security. And I wouldn't be surprised if he came into the 2020 season with a little bit more like, you know what, screw it hmm. attitude, which I personally kind of think would serve him well. So I don't, I don't even know what to project for him uh, for next year and moving on and moving beyond that. Now that he has four years of experience and has, has gone through this process this year. And then over the last couple of weeks. I, I think that's an interesting point, you know, kind of like he, he was always trying to prove himself to get the next deal. Now he's got the next deal and kind of let himself loose. That's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of. Um, I think one of the things that, I think what we're always trying to put a finger on is the role of analytics and how it gets played out. And it's so difficult because nobody wants to be transparent about it. I think, I mean, you pointed out Dave Roberts. We've talked about what a great job Kevin Cash has done and the Rays have done. These are all very heavily analytically driven teams. Um, So it's not always like their managers don't get to use feel all the time. Dave Roberts and Kevin Cash have made pitching decisions that have nothing to do with feel. So I feel like we are kind of picking and choosing our spots to say, well, they use this and they use that one. Everybody's kind of playing from the same playbook, but they lack transparency in it. And I feel like that's, what's really driving a wedge between organizations and fans and media alike, because we used to be able to figure things out, Lindsay, as to how and why people made their decisions. And now we're not allowed to figure it out because they're not really telling us. Yeah, I think that's a really big problem. And, you know, personally, when I see things like writers for like fan graphs or baseball prospectus, when I see them going to clubs, I'm like, oh, no, you know, now it's like clubs are also picking up some of the like, 
remaining liaisons between the public <laughs> and clubs and understanding how it works because it would be really cool if um, people in baseball were able to be fully transparent and honest about things without it being a total, you know, competitive disadvantage. Um, right. But I, I just, I, I feel for fans who don't, who are not privy to the way decisions are made all the time. I mean, I think the most radical thing I can say, and, and I think this is what frustrates fans when they hear the way Aaron talks sometimes is that in a lot of ways, like, I'm using air quotes here, outcomes don't matter, or at least outcomes don't tell you everything. I mean, fans can understandably be mad if, you know, someone swings and misses in a big spot, or if someone hits a line out instead of a home run or whatever, but ultimately like clubs, coaching staff, the players themselves, they need to have a better idea of the, you know, of, of what leads to these outcomes. And I, I think that's really hard because for fans, the outcomes are the game. For the people running the sport, they need to understand the information to try to replicate good outcomes. And I think what's really hard for Yankees fans, the, the discussion about, you know, who's running the show, how much power does Aaron Boone have? Like this is happening in clubs all over baseball. Um, you know, I mean, you can check in with pretty much any fan base and they're probably having that discussion. And then if they're not, then the club they're following is probably 15 years behind. It's the thing, but I think what also complicates it is that one, you know, when Cashman and Boone say today emphatically for the probably 700th time, no, there's no dysfunction here or whatever they were trying to express, like one, there's no way for them to prove a negative. Two, this is such a contentious, controversial thing in the sport because people's livelihoods are on the line. Um, and especially people who, people who've dedicated their lives to their game, to the game are seeing their opportunities dry up. And so there's just a lot of different factions and it's hard to get sort of, even as a reporter, it's hard to get a straight sense of this type of balance and nobody can be transparent about it. And even if people were honest about it, you'd still be getting 15 different stories from 15 different points of view. And I think with Aaron, what I've kind of come down on is like, the Yankees are emphatic that, you know, he has final say and he writes the lineup. And Aaron, I think, as we know, you know, you and I have listened to him talk for four years. If you ask him, you know, about some of these baseball concepts, he's, he's very progressive and he's very open-minded. And I feel like there is sort of a middle ground where he sees the role as taking in all of this information. And so sometimes maybe he, or, you know, let's assume he is the one making the final decision. But if there are people telling him this is this is what will put your players in the best position to succeed, I could also see him taking that information in in good faith and then it looking very, you know, the nerds are dictating the lineup to the public. So it's 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 really hard to sort of nail down. And I think a lot of us would love to do it. But I understand why fans get stuck in this predicament because it's so unclear. I don't think it would solve the issue, but I think one of the problems we've had the last two years, Aaron Boone had a couple of very successful regular seasons. The last two years, not so much. And the last two seasons, we as reporters have not had clubhouse access to players. Um, I don't think it solves the problem, but I think it would help us get a little bit more of that transparency we're looking for and a little more insight into the decision process if we got to talk to the players you know, the day after a game, not even at, not 
the night of the game, not when we get to talk to him and ask him Zoom questions. I think those types of questions are all pretty much the same after a game anyway. I've always looked at the day after when everybody's had a chance to cool off and remove themselves, sleep on the situation a little bit and say, okay, what really happened last night? Would I have done something differently? I feel like they're more open in those situations. And we didn't get that opportunity, even in some of the situations where we had, and I know you know you had a very frank discussion with Garrett Cole just before the playoffs. Even in some of those discussions, I don't think we were able to really break down what we've all been seeing as maybe the problems or shortcomings or whatever the Yankees have had these last two years and how much of it reflects on Aaron Boone. So it's a long way of me asking you, do you think that clubhouse access the last two seasons would have changed the narrative around Aaron Boone at all? I do, because I think, you know, once we got field access this year, I started just, uh, I just chose to wear guys out, you know, make them give me 15, 20 minutes, just ask every question on my mind because I didn't know when I was going to, I figured it was easier just to say, let me just hassle you once and move on. Um, I think what's missing is the ability to kind of casually be like, Hey, wait a second. Could you explain, you know, generally when I'm asking, I'm like, I don't really understand your like how to read base running uh, as if I'm on the bases what's happening here or whatever. I feel like some of those like one to two question things help you kind of understand it. But also I think a big thing is that like, I think, I think even just being able to give people an opportunity to defend some of the decisions is really big. You know, that's a question I like asking people is like, okay, give me your best defense of this person. Not everyone is always willing to be critical and I totally understand it. It's a very um, vulnerable (laughs) industry mm-hmm. but to say give me your best defense of this of your decision or someone else's decision or whatever just picking up small things about sort of how these decisions are made and how they're being interpreted by the clubhouse I do think it would have just helped the broader understanding I think the focus now shifts over to Brian Cashman um mm-hmm. it was all about whether or not Aaron Boone was coming back he's coming back there's nothing anybody can do about it even if they wanted to right So Brian Cashman has one more year left on his deal. And the way I've talked about it in in recent weeks and months really is to remember the context of Brian Cashman's last contract. It was signed after the 2017 season. That was when the Yankees had finally purged their roster of all the old guard players and all the older players that were dragging down the roster. He had made a succession of trades at the deadline in 2016 that set him up for the future with some prospects that were Uh, they were being craved all over baseball, not just from the Yankees. And they moved that nucleus forward with the baby bombers and got to game seven of an ALCS with dreams of, okay, knocking on the door right now, it's inevitable that they're going to knock it down sometime in the next couple of years. So Brian Cashman got the power to get a new contract, handpick a new manager and move this forward. Well, we know what's happened the last four years. So now the context shifts to Brian Cashman looking and asking for the Steinbrenners for another new contract. And it's clearly on him now and the rest of the organization to put themselves in a position to answer that question 12 months from now. He, he was in a, a very good position to ask for a deal last time. Really, it's, that's what I think is on his plate now. He has to put himself in a position, a good position to ask for a deal. And as we know where the link has gone the last few years, that's probably getting to a World Series, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think... I guess sort of similar to Boone, but 
especially with cash, like if the Yankees want to move on from him, someone who they know very well, someone who they trust, um, someone who I think, I don't think cash gets enough credit for adapting across eras. Um, obviously fans want a world series and I understand that and the, the organization itself pushes that so heavy handedly. Um, but I think similarly, like if you're, if you're going to move on from cash, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Do you have sort of what, what is the vision of the New York Yankees? If 2022 does not go the way that the Yankees want it to. And something that I think is interesting. I didn't cover the George Steinbrenner years. I didn't, I didn't cover the Girardi years. I didn't, you know, I, I got here with Aaron Boone in 2018 basically, but something that I have heard cash and Hal say repeatedly is like, you know, they're pretty, they seem pretty thrilled to be able to move away from the boss style mandates of go get that guy, go get that guy, go, go get that guy. It's, it's very clear that they sort of enjoy making smarter moves and, and attempting to do things in a more thoughtful way than just like that guy's hot right now, go pay for him. And, Obviously, the game has changed. You can't function that way anymore. And as Cash said today, like baseball CBA is quite honestly structured to punish that. So I think something that's been interesting to me is given the length of Cash's career, I would describe myself as sort of an outside observer um, because I haven't seen the whole arc. Like he and Hal seem to enjoy, you know, being able to run things judiciously. And I think I'm, I'm interested to see how radical cash gets this off season because I guess, I guess the central tension is, you know, the Yankees say they trust their process. They, they trust their decision-making. They trust, you know, cash talked multiple times today about deferring to people around him who are smarter than him. Um, Do you trust the process or do you say, Oh shit, it's time for us to win and go a little nuts. Um, I think cash would probably say, we gave $324 million to Garrett Cole. Like we're not exactly sitting back here, but um, I'm interested to see how radical this gets this winter, assuming that there is a free agent or trade market at all. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Yeah, and like he he actually made an allusion to that. I think uh, it's easier. Basically, he said it's easier to tear it all down than to patch everything. And when you've got when you sign Garrett Cole, you're not punting on a season. You know, when you signed Garrett Cole two years ago, you're not breaking it down in July and saying, "Okay, we're going." You know, you have Garrett Cole in his prime for only a short period of time, so you have to keep patching the band. You know, patching the wounds and try to get yourself to October and somehow hope that Garrett Cole can pitch in a playoff game so that you can get yourself a shot, which is what they did this year when the patchwork just never got there, uh, as we saw. Um, but he doesn't have the ability to tear it all down or let it fall apart on its own. As the Red Sox have done several times over the course of the last dozen years, we've watched them, you know, it's, it's come down on themselves and then they build it back up again. You don't have guarantees you're winning those world series. So it's hard, I think for the Yankees to take that mindset and say, let's just let it fall back again because we're going to win in two years. I don't think anybody, even the Red Sox would tell you, you know, that they couldn't foresee any of that. But as you said, it's interesting to see what they do here. Uh, I think they, I think they get a use the word radical. I think they get aggressive. Um, mm. They have a problem that a championship team shouldn't have up the middle, catcher, shortstop, center field. That's the traditional uh, strong spots, right? The Yankees had a problem there all year. I understand why they couldn't fully address it all during the season. And I think Brian Cashman alluded to some of that, you know, there are time frames where you have to kind of try to, put it together yourself and then find the ways to do it from outside of the organization. And they don't always work when you want them to, or it's not always available to you when to the winter is a different time frame. So catcher shortstop center field, they've already told you they're moving on from labor. They're going to go get a shortstop of some kind. Uh, Gary Sanchez. I kind of have a feeling he's run out of time now. He's only got one more year of team control. He's going to cost what, maybe $8 million in arbitration. I feel like this is the time where you've hoped and prayed that he puts it all together. He used up all his chances, I think. And you try to move on from there and center field, Aaron Hicks coming back off of surgery probably can't be your, you know, uh, penciled in as your opening day center fielder. I think you have to figure out options there too. I think that's how radical, you use radical. I think that's how aggressive they're going to have to be. I would even explore the idea, as Cashman said, about everything open. I think Jonathan Lewisaga's emergence would allow me to figure out, hey, if I pay half of a role as Chapman's salary, who wants him? And I think you'd have some takers there. And you have enough arms to fill out a bullpen there. Uh, and Lewisaga as a closer, you can control his innings a lot more as a closer. And that might make sense. My thoughts, what are yours? I think something that jumped out to me was Cash talking about the um, athleticism and the contact that he feels that they were lacking um, this year. I mean, that was what stood out to me early in the year looking at like the Red Sox and Rays is that remember like 2018 Yankees and Twins, they were all they were just slugging home runs everywhere. It was really working 2019. I mean, obviously we had the juice ball, et cetera, but I realized pretty quickly early in the year, seeing some of the teams the Yankees played against that the game was pretty quickly shifting back to speed defense, um, sort of just a, a cleaner version of the game. And I think the Yankees kind of got caught flat footed, you know, cash talked about that's why they brought in DJ LeMahieu. That's why they went and got, Anthony Rizzo, they wanted Joey Gallo's 
athleticism. And so what I think will be really interesting is that, you know, they came into the year kind of saying for better or worse, like defense doesn't matter. You know, I mean, they've, they've been willing to play guys in positions where they are not particularly the best at their positions. And I think that's been for a second, Sanchez and Torres are probably really good examples of that because their defensive issues would be not be as heavily scrutinized if Mm -hmm. they were hitting like Johnny Bench and Ernie Banks. It'd be a lot. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I understand that the Yankees wanted to go into the year thinking like, okay, well, we're going to have this great offense. So pitching issues or defensive issues, like we can make up for those. And then once the offense disappeared, then the whole plan kind of gets shot. But what I'm interested to see is sort of, I mean, because we've seen over the last few years, we've seen them sort of just, they have like 75 infielders coming out of spring training and they're just like, we'll get guys innings wherever. Um, And I'm curious if there's a little bit more structure and routine and focus on, I mean, that sounds condescending, but like playing clean games. Um, And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, like, I personally think every team in baseball needs a Joey Wendell, like Joey Wendell's don't grow on trees, but like, could you imagine if the New York Yankees had Joey Wendell, just like this, like versatile throwback speedy guy, you know I mean? And they kind of have that in Tim Castro, but like, um, I will be curious to see what types of things that the team prioritizes this year as they look to sort of, I guess, move past that kind of 2018, 2019 type of type of era of play. Well, if we don't have work stoppages to uh, get us in the way, we'll brush up on our labor history. I'm I've cracked open Lord Lords of the Realm, and I will get through it some point between now and December first, when uh, I'm going to need to know all my labor history again. Um, if we don't have any of that happening, um, all these things are obviously in play, and we will eagerly wait to see how the Yankees remake themselves because they've kind of thrown down the gauntlet here. They've re-upped with their manager. Their general manager knows he's playing for a new contract. And they know that this season fell apart uh, in many different ways that they didn't anticipate and they can't, you know, it has to be dramatic overturn. They can't just have uh, a team that wins say 93 games in the same (laughs) fashion that, uh, that they went through this past season. So we'll see what they do. There'll be plenty of time to discuss it again. Lindsay Adler writes about it at the athletic. I know it is a subscription service. It is well worth it, uh, not just for Lindsay stuff, for Ken Rosenthal, anybody else who writes about baseball there and the other sports, I would strongly advise that you go out and do that. Uh, is it at Lindsay Adler on Twitter? Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, yep, with an E. With an, with an E, Lindsay with an E, yes. So follow her along there and um, you can follow me at Yankees WFAN. Make sure to subscribe to WFAN's Baseball Insiders podcast at Odyssey. Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, you get my Yankees reports, Ed Coleman's Mets reports delivered right to you. And actually pretty soon, I think we're going to team it up. Uh, We'll do another me and Eddie C where we'll break down the trials and tribulations of our teams together. Uh, Hopefully in the next week or so, we'll get that going and some other surprises for you coming up through the rest of this uh, baseball postseason as well. I have promised and I will hope to deliver to you very soon. Remember, subscribe and review and all that jazz. Thank you to Lindsay Adler. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.